Are we playing golf later today, by the way? Unfortunately not no. today. Okay. I just Are you in Charlotte? <laughs> I'm in Charlotte, okay. yeah. And the weather today in Charlotte is? It'll be 70 today. Yeah. Ooh. You couldn't be playing golf if I had time, but. Yeah, well, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. It's not 70 here. It's like. <laughs> I know. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, in Indy, it's actually, the, the temperature's not that bad just because the front hasn't come through, but it's supposed to storm all afternoon. And, of course, the temps will dive back into the 40s, and tomorrow it's like, oh, I don't know, high of 48-ish, which isn't awful, but, like, really windy, so it'll probably feel a lot colder than it really is. Yeah. We're, this is the time of year, in Iowa's probably somewhat similar. We get, like, little tastes. Like, all of a sudden, you'll have a sunny 65 day, and you're like, that's in spring. And then two days later, you'll have snow flurries. It's like, what the? Yeah, I was in uh, Minnesota a lot uh, earlier this week, last week, and it was like snowing or a stone still, and it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I know. Well, it's still winter in Minnesota. They they only have, like, what, a month of spring, which is probably mid-May to mid-June. Then they have July and August, and then it starts getting cold again. It's Hell, just, yeah. It's Canada South. For sure. Well, well I'm in Denver this week, and it's... It snowed one foot on Monday, and I had a trial where it snowed a foot. I went there on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, and there was no snow on the ground. That's crazy. That's how fast it melted. It went from 30, 30 or 29 degrees to like 55. It was crazy. Gone. Interesting, but that's Denver. Yeah. And and today it's probably sunny, right? Oh, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's get rolling. Um, I'll start us off, and then uh, we'll just go from there. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you all for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're watching us on the Assessa YouTube channel, thank you for joining us there. Uh, don't forget, if you're on the Assessa YouTube channel and you haven't subscribed, hit that little subscription button, hit the little bell notification icon that can alert you when new episodes like this one drop. We would greatly appreciate it. By the way, it is absolutely free. It doesn't cost you a dime to do that. Um, so please consider doing so. Today, we have a new episode, new guest for you. We're, we're kind of all over the place. We've got me and Indy, Chad out in Denver, and our guest, Marco, in Charlotte. Um, so anyway, without further ado, Marco Belouz from Chuffla Finishing. Marco, welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Awesome. Uh, I think we already touched on this, but you got the Callaway cap on. There is golf or is not golfing this afternoon. I wish there was golf, but uh, I got a, a ten-year-old to take the football practice. So. Ah, football in in the spring. And the spring and fall. Really? Okay. So, yeah. so is quick question there? Is this like a a club in the spring, or is this like the school team in the spring? No, it's all it's all club team. So okay. he's not. Uh, they're going to do school till middle school. Oh, so okay. Up in Clover, it's got to be club. What position does he play? Fullback, guard, 
linebacker, defensive end. So they switch him around a little bit at this age. So, you know, but uh, he just, he loves it, man. Can't get enough of it. Awesome. You don't hear fullback very often anymore. And so I'm, I'm old school. I like, I like hearing that. I mean, it's tough nose. Like fullbacks can yeah. need to be a little bit different breed because they, offense you think of not being the aggressor but mostly fullbacks they're 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 wanting to put the pads on someone yeah at 10 years old we don't have we don't have a tom brady back there yet so it's a lot of uh, old school smash mouth football yeah so cool fullback helps nice well best of luck to him uh marco it's kind of funny that's kind of funny there vince when you talk about fullback because you know that's kind of iowa's that's kind of their mo fullback we still have a fullback this is true Big Ten football, baby. Yeah. All right, I got my piece in. That's I was gonna say, was yeah. Chad, Chad's little to-do list was mention Iowa wherever I can, and there'll there'll be one more because I, you know, with with the All ladies' right. Final Four coming up, um, this that'll be you know this episode will release after that, but I'm sure there will be a mention there. So congratulations and and you're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> right. Well, hey, Marco, why don't you give our listeners and viewers a little introduction um, and some background on yourself? So uh, I've been in the industry almost about 20 years, started off in uh, uh, Del Cheflo. Uh, Delavetto was a company that Cheflo bought out in the mid-2000s, but started there in 03. Um, so it's approaching 20 years now. Um, you know, kind of t- fell into it, was, uh, uh, you know, started off just working during the day, going to school at night, kind of just as a job, and then just uh, kept evolving. And uh, 20 years later, uh, you, you know, it's all you know how to do. So uh, it's been uh, been a crazy ride in the past 20 years. Yeah. Have you always been in sales or did you start in a certain area and kind of evolve? No, I mean, I, I, I started off and uh, just kind of in the parts cage, then uh, did the spare parts manager, um, manufacturing man- manager service, then uh, off the sales engineering, and then been in sales probably I don't know, eight, eight to the past eight to 10 years now or so yeah. in some kind of form. Looking back, would you say that, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, that you're, you're happy or glad the way it's kind of progressed because unlike someone who maybe comes in straight into sales, I mean, you can probably talk about the process and the machine inside and out better than anyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, kind of a blessing in disguise, right? When it's uh, just kind of uh, grown up that way, it definitely gives you a lot of advantages. Um, talking about processes, talking about you know, seeing it from all different different angles, right? So mm-hmm. that's been a huge, I think, a huge part of my success and and what I can bring to the customers. Right, definitely. Well, why don't you uh, kind of tell us or tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about Chefla in in general and Chefla Finishing. Um, who, who, who are, who is the company and what do you guys do? Yeah. So Chuffle Finish is, uh, one of the largest and oldest uh, finishing companies in the world, celebrating 90 years, uh, last year, but in the U S market since the late seventies. Um, so, uh, as far as, um, we are able to provide finishing solutions from from small to large range customers and be, and, uh, one of the only suppliers that actually builds and supplies all the various parts that go into a finish line, finishing line. So, um, you know, the only third party equipment you would see in our lines are, are, are sanding solutions, which we don't really focus on, but, uh, you know, as far as the ovens, conveyors, spray machines, handling, and all this is all a, a chuffle supply. So we're able to do, you know, 
small shops, but also on the very high end automated lines, being able to supply the whole thing is a huge benefit. Yeah. What have you seen be the like the biggest advancements over the last five or 10 years? That's definitely focused, I think, towards the small to medium-sized shops. Um, that's really uh, what our focus has been on past five to 10 years and really a big growth of what uh, uh, some of the growths we've experienced. Um, being able to bring uh, the automation prices down and now you're starting to see anywhere from three to four man Amish shops trying to uh, get into some automation and medium-sized shops. Uh, I would say that now that's that's easily 40 to 60% of our business is, is small to medium-sized shops. And over the past five to 10 years, we're really focused on developing equipment just to fit those needs, right? Bringing, um, you know, million dollar finishing lines into the hands of, uh, of medium-sized shops at, at, you know, half that entry, entry cost point to be able to produce at a higher level, whether it's the quality, the, the quantity and everything that, that higher end lines can produce as well. Yeah. So that's a great point. We were, Chad and I were down and the rest of our uh, team were down at IWF in Atlanta. So for any of our listeners or viewers don't know what IWF is, it's the International Woodworking Fair. So it's a really large um, woodworking industry trade show in Atlanta that's every other year. Um, everyone from those supplying the coatings to equipment manufacturers and everyone in between. Um, it's a massive international show. Ran into a couple customers down there. The first one was a pretty big customer who has you know multiple flat lines and all that. But they were there looking for additional automation equipment, um, not large lines, but you know certain uh, machines for certain sectors. And you know it wasn't surprising, but we, as we were talking to him, we're like, "Why? You know, you've been looking at these for five or ten years. Why are you finally pulling the trigger now?" And he said, "Well, two things: a, the price has come down, where it makes it you know almost a no-brainer." And two, with the way employment is, um, it just again, it's a, it's a no-brainer. The ROI is going to be much much quicker. Um, they're having a hard time staffing up, so they can get this machine that will potentially fill in for two or three people. It makes all the sense in the world. And so we actually followed him over to that manufacturer's booth and ran into two other customers of ours who were much smaller. And they were actually looking to your point, looking at the similar types of equipment where, and they, and they I said it themselves, they said, look, normally we would never be here because this, this stuff was just, just priced out beyond our range. But now it just makes sense because they can't find people either. The cost of the investment has come down and the ROI is now like, yeah, I think one of the guys said if it was under anything under three years, it was, it's just, it just, it's like a no brainer. And so we've now started to see those, you know, Chad's out in Denver today. Some, some of the shops that we were in out there recently are buying equipment to do just a variety of different jobs, whatever it may be. And it's, it's, it's places that just normally wouldn't have done that in the past. And so it's, it's kind of cool to see like the CD player when they first came out. Right. I mean, we're all old enough to remember with a CD player, our younger viewers oh, yeah. may not, but those things were like 500 bucks when they first come out now, like no one would ever even buy one just cause it's been passed by. But, um, what's the hot item today? Well, that, the hottest item for sure is our new drying technology, which we call the Uni Dry, and that's powered by Sunspot technology. Um, so we've uh, partnered with Sunspot on, on this oven, um, which basically they're supplying a, a catalytic heating pad, right? That it can use natural gas or propane 
Um, you, you talk about a running cost of 75 cents an hour. So that much, huh? You, you know, yeah. Well, even more importantly, what does this technology really do for the customer? So yeah. in traditional finishing lines in the past few years, you would have, um, the ovens were powered by hot air and then traditional infrared lamps. But hot air powered ovens would require a boiler system, right? So it required an extra investment of anywhere, depending on the size of the ovens, obviously. You know, you're looking at an extra fee to $150,000 investment to feed hot water to these machines, right? Mm -hmm. So that automatically, a, a lot of the medium-sized shops, it's like, you know, dude, that that's just, yeah. you know, we're looking to spend that on a machine, not on uh, utility and building costs, et cetera. So that, that uh, Sunspot technology has basically solved that problem, mm -hmm. right? So now you're able to get into like a, a lineal oven with Sunspot technology for that under 150 grand, right? So for the cost of what it used to cost just to outfit your building, you can help get the drying system. On top of that, this type of medium wave light that these plates produce um, or, or heating, putting the energy inside the coating, not in the part. And also more importantly, it's heating the coating from the bottom up. So where a lot of traditional, a lot of other eating methods are going from the top down, it reduces skimming uh, and that uh, of the coating. So it enables you to dry a lot quicker. And the even better part is, is we make these in lineal ovens. We make, uh, we now got into making um, just batch ovens. And also these plates can be bought just individually and put in a shop in open air to, to help reduce your rack time. So we've kind of eliminated all the possibilities of so of a, of a shop to say, oh man, you know, I don't have room for a lineal line, not a problem. You can put a, an automated spray machine and then you can put in a batch oven, which gets you, you know, gets you to that same place where you need to be. Oh, well, I don't have room for a batch oven and I'm not ready for that. Okay. You can go from an automated spray machine, stand alone and put some of these sunspot units you know, off in a corner, and then if eventually you want to sheetrock it into a room, you can do that or, or whatever. Or to say, okay, even even now it's put us in shops to where, okay, I'm not ready to automate the spraying yet, but now we, we have some small entry-level drying solutions that can still um, keep that rack time down and get your throughput. So we're able to get in at every level of the customer's needs and, and help them grow. That's, that's what's been, I, I think, the biggest change at least from a chuckle point of view in the past few years to where you know we did a lot in medium-sized shops and it was always still lineal flatlined mm -hmm. and there were still some customers that were kind of left out because of space because of price points etc now we have solutions where we're not leaving anybody out anymore right and as you know as they put in some stuff from drying well eventually they the sprayer can't keep up and then they automate that so you can attack the problem from both sides of the of the aisle per se. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, would you say that timing is absolutely key here in that you're starting to see more and more people to move over to water-based coatings, whether they're coating wood, glass, metal, doesn't really matter what the substrate is. Coatings yeah. are starting to evolve and go in that direction. So to your point, the things like a sunspot, et cetera, are, 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 are really key in terms of how to best cure and dry out that, that water-based coating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, you know, a lot of the knocks on the water base was, oh, you know, if my humidity changes, things change in my shop, which 
which now the, the sunspot unit is completely taken out, right? So you're able to, to get yourself in a position to where all these factors don't matter anymore, right? And still get all the great benefits in the water-based code. Um, so I think that's been, uh, that's crucial, right? So, um, it gives them, uh, it gives them all the weapons they need to attack that. Yeah. Where do you see, I mean, I know everyone's crystal ball is, is perfectly clear, but where do you see things continuing to evolve in the next, let's say five years? So the trend that I see is that, uh, you know, is that anytime I walk into the shop, right? The, the finishing was always the last thing on people's minds, right? It was like, okay, I got these, these two guys been taking care of it forever. Well, the problem with that is, uh, is the knowledge to be able to do that, right? And a, and a high level, um, and it's difficult to find these people. That's where a lot of opportunities have come up for us. Um, you know, was kind of our, our prima, which is means first in Italian, right? Where, where we've taken, um, just the, the manual spray booth and automated it on a simple easy to use flat line. Um, I think that the, the biggest future is in the automation of those departments because of labor force, because of, of quality and consistency and easiness of, of use in the long run and saying, okay, now I can count on that department, right? Mm -hmm. It's always, it's always on a set schedule versus having, you know, to deal with, man, my best finisher is not there or, or I have to train somebody to finish, you know, now training somebody to, to stick a part on a flatbed machine and turn it on and, and have settings is a lot easier than having somebody, you know, teach somebody the mad the black magic of finishing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but the key point there is, is the price point is now right for people to consider that and afford that. The lead times are correct because, you know, we stock a lot of these, these, uh, first time products, right? The Prima, the sunspots. So, you know, somebody can have a big job coming up and can make a decision based on that, right? Because a lot of times these shops, I mean, they're not going to be able to handle a six to nine months lead time on something because, okay, I'm making decisions because I got these bunch of jobs coming up. It could pay for some equipment, but I got to do it now. I can't do it, you know, at the end of next year, for example. So I think those are all the, the key factors there. Yeah, for sure. But would you say technology is also like anything else playing a key role in that, um, you know, it used to be maybe the guns were fixated, but now you have much more, um, you know, probably saying this the wrong way because I'm not an engineer, but don't have quite the robotic movements that you have today. So it, they can, you have the ability to paint different size and different shaped objects where maybe before was more of a challenge. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the gun technology is involved, um, the capability the machines have gotten, you know, to where, you know, people think of a flat line that it just does flat parts, which that isn't the case anymore. Right. Um, you, you can get away with a lot of different parts on more entry-level machines to where you don't need to go to the all out robotic systems. You have to, to spend a lot of money. So that's definitely helped out. Um, and just being able to open eyes. I mean, we, we use some of the same technologies in the glass, in the wood, in the metal, um, and the machines don't really change much, right? They're all pretty much adaptable to all these different types of products. Mm -hmm. Chad, what stood out to you when you were, guys were out there doing that uh, glass coating trial? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, one, how, how fast uh, we got things moving with the, I mean, as far as the team out there, when you, you, you give them a coating, 
and he said, this is what you want to do. And they, they sent the, that machine up exactly how you want it. And you just start spraying parts. And I mean, we had a, we had a very successful trial. We didn't have to really mess around with any settings, but, um, but yeah, the capabilities out there to, to get exactly what you're going to do in that shot. I felt, um, you could replicate everything there. I mean, right there on that line with, with drying, spraying tips, they have everything available. So that was, that was probably the best part of that about that trial with the glass for sure. Okay. You're, you're about to ask a question. Go ahead. Well, I was going to, I was going to bring up when, when you were talking about the robotic side of it, I, I was, I'm out in the wild here, as I say, in, in Denver and, and I got to actually see one, uh, one of the robotics machines, the, the three-dimensional. I, and I was just, I was amazed on how now, you know, back, you know, I mean, when I was doing flat lines in the nineties, it was basically sides of door, you know, doors, cabinet frames and sides, boom, and just going, going as fast as you can. And now, you know, you do the charges, you could throw in drawer boxes, you can throw in cordons. I mean, you could throw in a lot of different things that you had to have a tow line for. Um, it kind of, uh, I mean, it speeds up everything now with that, uh, that ability. I thought, I, I didn't know how long that, how long has that technology been around? So the, the robotic is, is evolved from, um, you know, then it's probably been around for about 10, 15 years, but yeah. the past few years, it's evolved greatly, right? To where that machine first kind of got introduced for, for applying glues for um thermofoil presses and, and things like that so essentially what would happen is you know you'd want um you know in a flat line if you put in a cabinet door you'd get 100 percent of the top 50 percent of the sides you flip it get 100 percent of the back another 50 percent on the sides you get 100 percent all the way around so in the glue uh when you're going in these presses you don't need to do the back so the first problem is okay i need more really the sides are more important than the top Right. So the robotic first was developed to have like a, a robotic edge gun, uh, you know, for a part to come in, have the edge gun on a, go around the, the edges to get the desired quantity on there. Now, then this machine has evolved in a lot of different product lines. You know, we have two arm machines now. Now we have a 3D reading system. So essentially the, the parts can be, uh, you could have a charge of parts where, you know, you have a half moon shaped part, you have a drawer box, you have a piece of molding and you have a cabinet door, right? So you could have all that on the same charge or 3d system would read all these parts. And now the gun or uh, the edge gun would, uh, you know, you should go and re and would go in reset mode, do all the edges and do everything you needed to do without, um, you know, the traditional type of programming that would be required for a robotic arm is done automatically. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that, that's one of the most versatile machines that we offer, um, you know, on a flat line, cause you can reset, you can do edges, you can do 3d shape, um, you know, all these different types of things without having to specifically, um, call it the recipe for each individual part. We do that automatically. Sure. That's cool. So that, that's, that, that's at the higher end technology for the, for the higher end customers that that have all those different types of needs. Yeah. But I could see that need obviously transcending across the spectrum. And then, you know, at some point pretty much will become a standard adoption, I would think. Yeah. I mean, obviously even, you know, once people see that edge gun and see what, see what, it, what it's capable of doing, then, you know, some of those guys, it would be hard to live without anymore. So hopefully as time goes on, 
the cost in this technology comes down as other technologies have, because mm -hmm. I, I think everybody would have a need for that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, we would appreciate your assistance on that, uh, that, that coding trial that they were on at, out there for the, uh, the glass piece. Um, you seen any trends at all in terms of, um, I guess maybe the, who has, who has the highest demand, not to, not to pit, um, the wood side versus glass versus metal, but, um, you seen any, any, any real trends amongst the specific industries in terms of application? So the, the wood is still the highest demand. And I think uh, within that, um, it's really the medium, the small size shops seem to have an extreme high demand lately. And then, um, some of the higher end manufacturers are really starting to ramp up production and really you know, that have been kind of quiet for the past years and really started pending up demand too. Um, the glass projects this year have been uh, pretty well. I mean, it's, it's a smaller industry, but mm -hmm. you know, we've done two, three projects already this year, which is, you know, which is a good number for that size industry. Um, and metal is growing year after year, um, whether it's pipe and tube, whether it's metal sheets and things like that. So that's, you know, it's been growing as a lot of these companies are going more to liquid coatings versus the traditional powder coatings. Then that that's opened up a lot of opportunities for us. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. We we like hearing that. <laughs> awesome, Chad. Do you have anything anything else to offer us? No, I mean, I just like like I said it the the uh, that three that three dimensional paint, uh, arm is pretty uh, pretty neat and. And that booth that you have out there uh, in the in the lab there is as big as a cruise ship. Um, the thing is a massive unit, and I've seen it downscaled too to just maybe just a little bit bigger than the Prima, and it it, it can work in a small shop as well. And yeah, there's some benefits to it, and it's pretty neat, pretty neat technology. Yeah, and then I bought it comes in a lot of different formations, right? You know, we go as small as a one arm I bought it K that's mm -hmm. made uh, just for smaller shops all the way. You know, it's a paper belt machines, recovery belt machines, one arm, two arm, short bench, long bench. So that that product line's really evolved into trying to fit a lot of different spaces. Absolutely. Yeah. One one size does not fit all as we know. And that's that's good that you guys have the ability to modify accordingly. So if anybody ha out there has any uh finishing needs, any line needs, et cetera, hook up with Marco at Shuffle and, and be happy to talk to you about uh what solutions they may have to fit your need. Uh, any any parting words of wisdom, Marco? Well, I just wanted to just put it out there that uh, from the April 19th to 21st, we have our, our annual Chessel Live. Um, so we have all these machines and equipment we've talked about will be running, um, you know, with all different coatings all day. We'll have some guest speakers, uh, some customers and, and guest speakers, I think, uh, it's a good opportunity to see a lot of these different technologies, whether it's diabotic, whether it's the, the Prima, the UniDry, the, um, the, uh, the Prima, the lineal machines, we'll have all those technologies running. Yeah. I was actually at Shuffle Live last year. Um, and, and to your point, yeah, to, to be able to see it all at the same time and actually not just sitting there, but actually running parts, uh, was very, very valuable. Um, so look forward to doing that again this year. Um, hey, Marco, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for uh, Thanks for, for joining us on the Industrious Podcast. Good luck with the golf. I mean, good luck with football practice this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, tell your tell your son to uh, to 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 lay some wood on the on the the opposing D as they try to take oh, take yeah. on, take on the fullback. Uh, 
man, he loves it, man. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully it's the first time of many and uh, like what you guys are doing. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank all of you guys out there for tuning in to the Industrious Podcast, whether you're listening to wherever you get your podcasts or you're tuning in on the Assessor YouTube channel. Thank you for doing so. Again, hit that subscription button, hit the little bell notification icon so you can be alerted when new episodes drop. Thanks again for tuning in and don't forget, be industrious.